Well, hey, welcome everyone to Black Hawk Church Online. So glad to have you all here and welcome to all of you in the room right now. Can you just join me in welcoming everybody who is joining us online? Man, feels so good to be at this place right now. And regardless of where you're joining us from, if you're in Dane County or somewhere around the United States or somewhere around the world, we're glad that you are tuning in. Uh, like Lynn said, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Black Hawk Church. And we are in the middle of this series right now going through the book of Galatians. The title of the series being Galatians, uh, the letter that saved the church. And the reason for that title is because what was going on in the book of Galatians, we've been hearing about for weeks right now. There was this group of people, these Judaizers, who were trying to cause Gentile believers to buy into the idea that they had to follow Jewish customs in order to truly be saved. And Paul is not having any of it. I mean, if you've been around here, you've gotten the idea that he is a little ticked off. And uh, he's coming strong in this letter. I mean, look at some of the things that he says so far to the Galatian people. He said, I am astonished. <laughs> you foolish Galatians. I fear that I have wasted my efforts on you. There you go. I am perplexed about you. And then, and then to these Judaizers, the people who are leading people astray, he has these things to say. They are trying to pervert the gospel. Let them be under God's curse, those weak and miserable forces. We get the idea that Paul is not messing around. But if, if you think that those things are strong, that he has said so far, <laughs> just wait until what we are going to hear today because Paul takes it to like a completely different level. I mean, the things that he brings out today are shocking. I mean, in all honesty, this is, <laughs> this is the rudest and the crudest that we are going to hear Paul anywhere in scripture. Like if you were to tweet this stuff out today, let's just say you'd get a lot of comments. Have I peaked Everybody's interest, just a little bit. Think I've got your attention? All right, so in light of that, uh, grab your Bibles, and we are going to go to the book of Galatians, chapter five. That's where we're starting today, Galatians, chapter five. Now, here's, here's what I'm gonna do for just a minute. I am just gonna go ahead and read the full passage that we are going to look at today. It will be on the screen, so you can read along that way, and then we're gonna go back through and, uh, and kind of tear it apart, so... Galatians chapter five, starting with verse one. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare that every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running such a good race who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth. That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. 
I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the gospel has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Thus ends the reading of the word of the Lord. Amen? Okay, okay, now wait. Yeah, told you this was gonna be fun. You might be thinking, let's just pause and think about verse 12 there for just a minute because you might be thinking to yourself, did, did Paul just say what I think that he said? Like, he is saying to this group of people, look, with everything that you're talking about with circumcision, yeah, you should just go ahead and cut off the whole business. So just take care of all of it at one time. He's talking about castration. I mean, Paul, for crying out loud, can you just tell us how you're really feeling? What you really think about these people? Can you just be a little more open with your thoughts and ideas? You know? Now, so we get the idea that Paul is coming strong. He's serious about this subject. And if he's that serious about what he's saying, maybe for all of us, we should take notice of it and figure out what it is that he's really talking about. Another thing that's fun with this passage of scripture is, uh, well, there is a common thread that we see over and over again talked about in this passage of Scripture. Take a look at this together. Circumcised, circumcised, circumcision, uncircumcision, circumcision. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to talk about circumcision. You know, uh, I think as Charles was handing out the different passages of Scripture and divvying it up as to who was going to have to speak about what, I think he took a lot of joy in handing me this passage of Scripture. He's chuckling to himself. Thank you so much, brother. Really appreciate that. So, <laughs> so today we're talking about circumcision. And you might think to yourself, like, circumcision at church, that's kind of weird. Like, are we really going to take a section of a Sunday just to cover this subject? And, uh, well... Here's the thing, in order to understand what the passage is really talking about, we need to gain context on why it is that this would be a subject, a common thread that we would see. And in order to understand that, we have to go all the way back to the beginning, the book of Genesis, right at the beginning, after the fall of Adam and Eve. At that time, uh, it was said that there would be a descendant of Eve who would come along one day and crush the head of sin and death. Later on, as we continue on through the book of Genesis, around Genesis chapter 17, God has made a covenant with a man named Abraham. And we are told that this descendant would come from his line, his lineage, his seed. And so therefore, as a covenant of that, God commands Abraham, as a covenant, to be circumcised. Not just him, but all of his descendants from that time forward. That was the covenant that God made with them. And you might think, okay, that's kind of strange. Could, like, guys might have been saying, could we just come up with like a cool handshake or something like that that we hand down from generation to generation or something like that? But when we really stop to think about it, it actually, in some ways, um, it kind of makes sense. You see, God decided that as a sign of this covenant that he would mark the reproductive organ of every male from this line. Showing that this line, this group of people, this family was set apart by God. 
And that one day, think about this, as this, as this group of people, this family, as they continued to reproduce, it would be rem- a reminder to them that one day this king, this savior, this messiah would come from their line to make all things right and crush the head of sin and death. That was the reason for the covenant and the sign of circumcision. Now, if we fast forward and go ahead and go all the way to the New Testament, looking for this descendant, spoiler alert, it's Jesus. And as Jesus came, lived the life that he did, died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, and then rose again triumphantly over death and ascended back to heaven. Once that had taken place, for everyone who placed their faith in Jesus, we're told in scripture, the Holy Spirit descended upon them. And now the sign of the covenant became that the Holy Spirit will did a circumcision in our hearts. That's talked about in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 7. So that now the Holy Spirit comes for all of us and does a circumcision internally in our hearts. So that rather than us needing to be a part of the physical line of the family of God, now for anyone who places their faith in Jesus, they become a spiritual part of the family of God through the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does inside of us because of our faith in Jesus. That makes us what Charles was talking about last week, this family of God. That's the idea of circumcision. It's important for us to understand this before we dive into the passage. So let's cut away from that for a minute and go ahead and go now to dive into the passage. Cut away, yeah, a little circumcision humor there. So thank you. Chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Okay, this is, this is a fantastic verse. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. If we can keep that up for just a minute. This verse right here encapsulates everything that Paul is trying to do in this letter to the Galatians. Like, you could say that this is like the main idea. You could, old school, this would be like the cliff notes of everything it is that, that, that Paul is trying to do in this letter. Look, you have been set free. You are free people. So stand firm in that, and don't let anyone believe that you have to step back in to a world of slavery. But in order to really understand it, we have to take a look at, okay, what did Paul mean by the word Freedom. You know, because freedom, I mean, to us as people, American citizens, well, freedom's rather important, isn't it? I mean, like our country, I don't know if there's any greater value to Americans than their freedoms. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Like, that's kind of an important thing to all of us. And so when we talk about the subject of freedom, I mean, I think that all of us online right now who are watching, as well as all of us in the room, we would say, man, we are grateful for the freedoms that we have as citizens. I mean, you think about it, we are doing what we're doing online and in the room right here because of the freedoms that we have in this country. But oftentimes, when we talk about the subject of freedom, as Americans, we talk about the thing that comes to mind is personal freedom. I have the right to live my life however it is that I want to live it. That I have the opportunity to do that. And you all, you online, have the opportunity to do that too. And so let me be me and you do you. And that's great. For for many of us, the thing that comes to mind is that as 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 a free person, I have the right to do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, with whoever I want to. 
It, it really, the freedom that we're talking about, if, if we think about it and really dive deeply into it, it moves us to a place of being um, individualistic and, and actually fairly self-centered in the way that we live our lives, where I have the right to live my life and you don't have any right to be able to tell me what that looks like. It moves us to a place of feeling like I am center stage and everybody else plays a supporting role. Life is about me and I become self-centered. But the problem with that, if we really dive into it, is like when we really get down to the depth of what's taking place, um, when I look at my life as self-centered, you know, the thing that I end up doing is, is, is there's no way for me to break the fact that I still think about what other people think about me. Isn't that true? And so even though I am living individualistically, I still wonder about what it is that you think about me. How it is that I'm living up to the standards that you might be setting for me. What are you doing to judge me? I wonder about what it is that people are thinking about me and what it is that God is thinking about me. And I'm never able to get a good answer on that. And so therefore, the thing that happens is that my life then becomes um, one that can easily be um, full of confusion and nervousness and fear that leads to anxiety and depression. And that's where freedom, actually, if we're not careful, can actually lead us. See, the type of freedom that Paul was talking about, freedom in Christ, actually looks different than that. The freedom from Christ that Paul was talking about is a freedom that says, because of Jesus and what he did for me on the cross, living the life that I was supposed to live, dying the death that I was supposed to die, paying the penalty for my sins so that because of his death and resurrection, I can be in right relationship with God. My sins have been paid for, therefore, I am free. Free from the law, free from sin free from guilt, free from shame. I am free from all of that. And as I understand this love to a deeper level that God has for me, this begins to change the way I see God. You see, it actually moves me to a place when I see the way that God loves me of actually loving God more. It causes me to actually to begin to trust God more. It moves me to a place of taking this grip off of my life of self-centeredness and individualism and as I understand God's love, as it causes me to love him and trust him, that my fingers begin to unclench and I begin to lay my life before God, trusting that ultimately since he created me, that he knows how I'm actually supposed to live my life. So that therefore I put my life before him saying, man, my desire is to be submissive to you. My desire is to be obedient to you and allow him to transform me. And as that takes place, I become a person who is not self-centered, but selfless with the ability to be able to love other people completely different. That is what true freedom in Christ is supposed to look like. It moves us to a place of loving God and loving other people completely differently because our lives become selfless in the process. That's the idea of freedom in Christ. It's because of what Christ did for us that we are free. So how does Paul continue to talk about this with the Galatians? Let's go back to verse two for a moment. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law, you have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Okay, now, what's taking place here? 
<laughs> See, the, the, the Gentiles back at that time were being told by a group of Judaizers that in order to truly be saved, they had to be circumcised. And so they were beginning to take this step. They were going, well, these people are telling me that that's what I'm supposed to do. So I guess if, if that's what I'm supposed to do, if it makes God love me a little bit more or accept me a little bit more, I better go ahead and take that step and be circumcised. And Paul is going, no, 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 no. That's not the way it's actually supposed to work. That in you actually doing that, you think that as you were doing that, it's like where it's, it's, it's your salvation and so you're saved by grace, but you're adding something to it. You think that you're somehow like gaining ground with God, but in actuality, you're losing ground with God because the thing that you're doing in your life is you're stepping back into this world of performance where you're trying to figure out what are the things that I need to do before God to make him really love me, to make him really accept me. Oh, sure, I know it's grace, but what else? do I need to do? They were doing it thinking that they were somehow gaining ground with God. They were actually losing ground with God. Do you see how that works? Now, they weren't losing their salvation. Salvation is something that is by grace and grace alone, and once it is done, it is done. And, and next week, Charles is going, or actually, this Monday night, Charles is going to talk about that in his Monday night Bible study through the book of Galatians that all of you can join in online. We've had hundreds of people who have joined in on this. You need to dive in and be a part of that. It's fantastic. So, but with this passage, like when you look at this subject of can they fall away from grace, the thing that, the thing that Paul was saying is, look, if you're stepping into that world, you're stepping back into a world of performance and you're actually losing ground with God because grace is something you cannot add to. That as soon as we try to add to the idea of grace, we kill it. You know, what's the definition of grace? If you look it up, it will say something like uh, the unmerited favor of God. You know, we are, we are saved by grace. We don't add anything to the concept of grace. In fact, in another letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, to the, it's a passage that for many people they have memorized and know, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It is a gift that we do not add to. Let me see if I can uh, explain this just a little bit. For some of you uh, who are watching, you may have noticed that I am wearing a pair of Air Jordans today. So, and for some of you, you're like, really, at your age, you're wearing Air Jordans? And I'm just saying, just accept me for who I am, people. So, so thank you. Thank you very much. So, so here's the thing. These are new to me. So I just got them recently. And, and, and growing up, okay, when I, so I'm, I'm 50. Uh, when I was in middle school, uh, Michael Jordan hit the scene. And uh, man, when he took the NBA and came out with his first signature shoe from Nike, I thought they were the coolest shoes that had ever like, been created on the planet. And, uh, and I still think that today. But I, I never actually owned a pair. And, uh, and so, um, you know, I had had other shoes that were kind of like them, SB Dunks that were different colors, but never actually had a pair of Jordan. Jordans. So recently, um, I had a friend who I got together with who said, hey, I've got a gift for you, and brought out a pair of Air Jordans. 
I mean, my jaw hit the floor. I was so unbelievably excited. And for those of you who might be sneakerheads, you're like, yeah, you're given a pair of Jordans. You're supposed to, put those, supposed to put, like, put those on a shelf somewhere. And I'm going, no, they're meant to be worn. And they have been on my feet pretty much since I got them, except to like take them off and wipe them down with a cloth and some cleaner. So now here's the thing. This was a gift that he gave me. It was a generous gift. I mean, they're probably a couple hundred bucks. You know, now, now here's the thing. Let's say that I were to say to my friend, what, unbelievable, I can't believe that you're giving me a pair of Jordans. I, I feel uncomfortable with this. I, I feel like I need to give you something. And I reach in and I, I'm like, hey, I got, a couple, I got a couple dollars left in my pocket. Here, I wanna give this to you. So, so that you, uh, because you paid too much for those here, I, like, I would feel so much better if you took these. And I'm thinking you might feel better about it too so you didn't have to pay as much. So if you go ahead and take those. See, in doing that, what have I just done? Well, one, I've, I've insulted my friend because his desire was to give me a gift. The other thing, too, is, I mean, if I think that by giving him a couple of dollar bills that I have somehow contributed to the shoes, I mean, this is so insignificant in comparison to the amount that he had to pay for the shoes that he gave me. I might think that I'd be, I would be giving something to him, but in reality, this is nothing in comparison to the cost of the shoes. And the other thing, too, is as soon as I give this to them, well, they're no longer a gift. Now I've paid for them in some way, and the gift has been nullified. I killed the gift because of what I've done. This is what Paul is trying to help the Galatians understand. He is trying to help them understand that we are saved by grace alone. And as soon as we try to add to the concept of grace, we kill it. It's kind of like an equation that we actually make in our mind really easily. It's this idea that grace plus you fill in the blank equals salvation. Now for the Galatians, their thing was circumcision at the time. Grace plus circumcision equals salvation. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what it was. That's what they were being told in their, you know, by these Judaizers. And we could think, yeah, that's crazy. But, I mean, don't we have some of the same things today? Like, when you think of that, we could easily say grace plus baptism equals salvation. God tells us to be baptized. It's a command. I guess something, grace plus baptism equals salvation. Or we could say um, grace plus church attendance equals salvation. Or um, grace plus prayer equals salvation. Or grace plus reading the Bible, that's a good thing to do, equals salvation. Grace plus getting in a small group or a life group equals salvation. Grace plus tithing, come on, Christians are supposed to do that, that equals salvation. Grace plus serving the poor equals salvation. Or what about this? Grace plus, well, stopping sin in my life. Grace plus uh, um, abusing alcohol equals salvation. Or grace plus getting rid of porn in my life equals salvation. It, we so easily go to these places where we add something in that line. So let me ask you a question. What is it for you? <laughs> What's the thing that you so easily put into that equation that you somehow, regardless of how long you've been a believer, regardless of how long you've been doing this church thing, makes you believe that grace plus something that you do equals salvation? What is it? And here's the thing. N none of these things that we talked about are bad things. They're all really good things. 
Like if you came to me after the message or you emailed me or something like that and said, what are the things that I need to do to grow in my faith? I would tell you, well, uh, if you're a believer, have you been baptized? That's a command of God. You should do that. You should take that step. That's a good step to take. If you were to say, uh, you know, what do I do? I might say, well, you should read your Bible. <laughs> you should pray. Yeah, Christians should tithe. They should be willing to give to their church. You, you should serve the poor. That is important for us to do. It would be really good for you to get in a life group. But you see, motive matters. You see, we're, if I am doing those things as a result of my relationship with God, as a response to understanding this love of God, it's one thing. But all of a sudden, it can really easily, without us really even noticing, if it starts to become a requirement, all of a sudden, we have jumped over the line. See, because God's desire is those things, they would move us towards them as a response, but not as a requirement. If we're doing it in any way for a requirement, he's saying, no, 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 you're falling away from grace. Because grace, here's the reality of it, grace plus nothing equals salvation. Or you, you may have heard it this way, grace plus nothing equals everything. We need to be people who are constantly reminded, this is what Paul was trying to do. He's trying to remind the Galatians, grace plus nothing equals everything. He goes on to help them understand that more. Let's go back to the passage. Verse five. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Here he goes. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. I picture this kind of as the crescendo. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that matters is faith. Man, growing in this relationship with God, understanding his love for me, placing my faith in him to a greater level, that the result of that is the way that I love other people. That's the only thing that matters. I picture him getting to the point of just going like, you gotta get this. It's just faith expressing itself through love. And then he kind of sighs for just a moment. <laughs> the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. And then he says this, you were running such a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. I, I love this picture, this word picture that he gives us. of You were running such a good race. Who cut in on you? Any of you online or anybody in the room run cross-country? Any cross-country runners? Yeah, yeah, we got a few. Hopefully more online. I ran cross-country back in high school. And, uh, and then it was really fun for me when my daughters hit high school and they decided to run cross-country too. So Rachel and I, we would, go, we would go to their races. And one of the things that I noticed was that in every one of the races, there would be a vehicle that would be leading the runners, a golf cart or something like that that would be leading the runners, leading the front runner through the entire course, making sure that they stayed on course. And I was thinking that was so different from the way it was back when I was running. We didn't have that back then. Yes, we had mechanical vehicles. I'm not that old. But we... But we didn't have, they hadn't figured out it would be good to have somebody leading the pack. And so, so back then, we would get to a course ahead of time in order to run the course a couple times just to make sure we knew exactly where we were going. Well, I, I grew up in Florida. We were at this one particular race called the DeLand Invitational. 
And uh, there were a bunch of different races that were happening that day, groups going at different times. And the first group that went out and the first runner just took off, everybody following him. And this runner, the very first runner, ended up taking a wrong turn. And everybody followed him. And so all of a sudden you have like hundreds of runners having no clue where they're going. And you saw all these cross-country officials like running places, coaches trying to get them finally back onto the course in order to run the right way. But you know, I knew some people in that race and they said, they were like, yeah, I didn't think that this was the course, but everybody else was headed there. So I figured I should just follow them. You see, don't, <laughs> don't you think that's easy to happen to us in life? That's what Paul's trying to get at. He's going, who, who led you off course? Because all it takes is just a little bit of confusion when it comes to the gospel to lead a whole bunch of different people the wrong direction. You know, like, here's a question. When you look at that equation, grace plus blank equals salvation, where are you getting that from? Like, like where's that coming into your mind? You know, I think that for all of us, we all, we all get our Bible teaching and our theology from all kinds of different sources these days. I mean, my guess is, is that you may be watching Blackhawk, but you could be checking out other churches online. You could be listening to different podcasts. You could be reading different material. You could be hanging out, spending time talking with different people about these subjects. I think it's important for us to stop and look at if there are places where our theology is getting confused and we are beginning to think that grace plus something equals everything, that we figure out where is that coming from. It's important for us to realize because the desire that God would have for us is to be people who remember, even though it is so counterintuitive, to remember that grace plus nothing equals everything. I want to do something for just a moment. I want to speak to a particular crowd of people here for just a second. So because for some of you, Maybe you have been living out your faith based upon the idea of American freedom, personal freedom, individualized freedom, if you will. You've been, you've been living out your faith believing that, um, well, you're just hoping that as other people judge you and as God judge you, that your good kind of outweighs your bad so that hopefully you're kind of able to get in the doors of eternity someday with like a C plus average or better, you know what I'm saying? So, and maybe today you've realized for the first time, yeah, that's not gonna work. You see, God sent his son into the world because, well, humanity, every person, 100% of people have fallen short of God's standards that he set for us as humanity. And that caused a chasm to be created between us and God that we were never able to really climb. And maybe for the first time today, you're going, yep, okay, I see that. And I'm realizing I need a savior. And I need to place my faith in Jesus and him alone for my salvation. I realize that I can't do it on my own. And I need to accept this idea of grace. I need to realize that there's nothing that I put into that equation that's gonna matter at all because it's grace plus nothing equals everything. And today you wanna place your faith in Jesus. He's the one who came and lived the life that you and I were all supposed to live and then died the death that we were supposed to die, taking on to himself the penalty, the guilt, the shame, the sin 
of all of mankind so that we could be in right relationship with God. Maybe you want to place your faith in him today. And I, man, I, let me just say this. There is no greater decision that you could make than placing your faith in Jesus. There is no one who loves you to a greater level than God himself. And he desires to come in and transform your life, help you to understand life the way that it was truly meant to live, that you can be a pure person who lives free, free from guilt, free from shame, free from judgment, all because of Jesus. If that's the decision that you want to make today, it's just simply, I mean, you can just simply tell God what it is that you're feeling in your heart right now. It's just saying something like this to him. God, look, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. I know I fall so short of your standards. Thank you so much for your love for me. That really doesn't make sense. Today, I am placing my faith in Jesus and him alone for my salvation. Thank you so much for the gift of grace. If you prayed that prayer today, <laughs> let me just tell you one thing. I, we don't understand this, but there are angels who are celebrating in heaven right now at this moment because of the decision that you made. So there is no greater decision that you could ever make. And we here at Blackhawk, we would love to celebrate with you too. And so I wanna ask you to do something right now. If you're in the room or if you're online, if you would pull out your phone and if you made that decision today, if you would just simply text the word yes to 608-618-4003. Just text yes to 608-618-4003. That just simply lets us know, yep, today I made the decision. And there's something really good about for us personally just marking the moment. Now, once you do that, you're gonna get a form back from us, which you can decide to fill out if you want or not. The reason why is because we just love to be in touch with you. We'd love to be able to help you see steps that you can take, things that you can do to just begin to start growing in, in your walk with Jesus. Answer questions that you might have, helping you get connected into the community. Again, not as a requirement, but as a result. Because God desires for us, as talk, Charles talked about last week, to be a family family of God. And so we'd love it if you would just be willing to fill that stuff out. There's no decision that you could make that could be greater. For so many of us listening online and in the room, our lives are different, not because of anything we've done, but because of the grace that we were offered. Because grace plus nothing equals everything. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for the gift of grace. We, we so don't deserve it, Lord. We so fall short of your standards. We've just blown it in so many ways. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness and movement towards us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay a penalty that we could never pay. God, would you guard our hearts from buying in to the idea that we add anything to the equation and would you help us to be people who live in the freedom that you gave us? that we would be people who stand firm in freedom rather than diving back into a yoke of slavery. God, I pray for people who made that decision today to for the first time place their faith in you. God, would they feel your presence? 
Would they, would they realize that you have done a work in them that they could never do? That if, they were, if anything were to happen to them today, they would, man, in the blink of an eye, go to spend eternity with you. Not because of anything they did, but because of everything that you did. Would you continue to transform us into people who are different as a result of an understanding of our love for you that we might love others just to a completely different level? God, thank you. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people online and in the room said, amen.